0: Amen, thank you. Well, good morning. So before we dive into today's message, we've got to recognize a couple people. Vince, where, is Vince still in here? Right here? Oh, Vince Franco's back. Welcome, sir. We're so glad you're back. One of our deployed Marines came home. When, how long have you been back? Uh, only about, two weeks now. about two weeks. So where were you last week? <laughs> I, I'm kidding. You're allowed, to, you're allowed to take leave. And then the Venters came to visit us, Bob and Nicole. Long-time long time members, I guess, in, in the life of a short church. We haven't been around a long time. You've been a long-time member in a, in, a, in a short church. So we're glad you're back for the weekend. Yeah, It was wonderful to see you guys' face. Actually, you almost derailed the service. I didn't expect everyone back today. And then, uh, then we have to go up here and play guitar and sing and all that stuff. And we're excited to see you. So, Well, good. Well, we are continuing our series. Uh, uh, the series is called More Like Him, where we're, we're investigating the fruit of the Spirit, how it played out in the life of Jesus, then in return, how it plays out in our life. And last week, Young uh, preached a wonderful word on the goodness of God. Uh, uh, so thank you again for, for being a guest minister for us, Young. Uh, I thought about that message all week. And that's, to me, that's a sign of a good word is when it, it, you don't forget about it as soon as you walk out of the church, right? I think that's the mark of a, of a good preacher, so I appreciate the, uh, that word. But I wanted to start off by telling a little story about myself. So I, uh, most of you know I travel for a living, you know, so my, my day job is I'm one of the elders here, but I'm a, I'm a lay elder. Trace is our, is our full-time pastor. And uh, so this is the last week that I have to travel this year. And uh, so I was in Canada. So you want to put up the picture, the first picture here. So this was uh, the picture I took out of my plane window leaving Canada. Now all week it was zero, uh, hovering right around zero degrees. I was miserable. So I used to think I liked the cold, but we've lived in San Diego for about 20 years now. And now I realize that my back, just even if it gets a little bit cold, it starts to stiffen up. Well, the point of the story is, is I'm sitting on the airplane. I'm, it's, a, it's about 6.30 in the morning. I'm ready to get, get out, right? Come back, my last, last trip of the year, and then this blizzard starts to blow in. So I'm sitting on the plane. I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be good. Then the pilot comes out, and he's got this stupid grin on his face. I'm like, oh, great. I know what this is going to be. He's like, yeah, bad news. We're not leaving anytime soon. He's like, you know, we've got at least an hour and a half. Now, my connection in San Francisco was one hour. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, there's, a, there's a good chance because San Francisco's always delayed, so we, they make us get off the plane, and uh, we get back on an hour and a half. We take off, we're good to go. A lot of turbulence, pretty sketchy flight. We get into San Francisco, and the plane is still sitting there. I can see it's gate E3, we're taxiing. I'm like, oh, the aircraft is still there. I'm like, I've got about five minutes. I'm like, this is, this is gonna be good. And I'm praying, my like, God, you're good, you're faithful. And I am your faithful servant. So, of course, I know the plane's waiting for me. So, um, get off the plane, and I booked across. Of course, it's in a different terminal. It's close on the outside. If I could have just walked outside, I could have walked over to it, but you have to go around. So I go to a different terminal, and I get over there, and of course, this guy's got a grin on his face at the plane, and I thought it was a good grin. He's like, yeah, sorry, can't let you on. plane's closed. I was like, oh, are you kidding me? I was like, it's sitting right there. The, the, the ramp is still up. I'm pretty sure the door's still open. <laughs> He's like, no, I can't let you on. I'm pretty sure they gave away my seat. So, instantly I start to get a little bit flushed with anger. The story doesn't end bad with me getting arrested, so relax. You know. <laughs> You're like, I'm not gonna let this guy preach to me. So I start getting angry. Now keep in mind, I'm a very frequent flyer. I think this year I've probably circled the globe over six times, I've just hundreds of thousands of miles. And so normally they, not to be a little, you know, like I'm the man, but they hold planes for guys that travel as much as I do, right? They can hold it for two minutes. I've seen them do it, they've done it for me before. For every reason they didn't hold it today. The guy's like, yeah, I'd go over to customer service. So I'm angry, I'm like, fine. Go over to customer service, wait in line there. And the late, I was like, why didn't they hold the plane? It's still here. I was like, you know, I, you know, I fly hundreds of thousands of miles. He goes, I don't know, <laughs> just could care less. I'm like, and there's nothing worse than an entitled person and I knew that so I just shut my mouth. Took my, my ticket on the next flight. I call up the wife, the missus, there's the wife, Audrey. If you don't know my wife, that's my beautiful wife Audrey. Call up the missus and I'm like, hey, you know, last flight of the year, United got me, you know. They make me stay in San Francisco. So I'm starting to vent to her. You're like, where's this story going? I'm starting to vent to her. I'm I'm frustrated. And then the wife says, aren't you preaching on patience this week? (laughs) And has anyone ever tried to correct you when you're angry? There's there's nothing worse than someone preaching to you while you're in the heart of sin or anger, right? Let me share a word with you real quick, brother. And you're like, I'm about to kill somebody up here. And I was like, Audrey, I'm not trying to hear that. This is going to make me angrier. And I hung up on her. (laughs) This is true. I did this. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm proud of this. Obviously, you know we're going to talk about patience today, right? And if you're going to preach on something, God is going to test you. I guarantee you that. If you have in your heart to share a word with somebody, you will be tested. I've been tested a million times over, so I don't know why I needed this particular test. But So I hang up on the wife. And I can't even slam the phone down because it's 2019. I just push a button and as far, <laughs> as far as the misses know, the connection just dropped. You know? I don't even know if she hung up on it. So, next picture, an hour and a half later, I'm waiting because now I'm delayed, text the wife. So th- I'm about to show you some real husband and wife stuff going on here with patience and love here. So I text the wife, calm myself down, I love you. You notice this was 11.30 a.m., I've been in San Francisco a while. I regret to tell you as an elder, it, it took me a good hour to calm down. I was just so angry, but there was no one to be angry at. Weather happens, flights get missed, connections get missed, right? Has anyone been like that? You're just angry, but there's just no... You can't direct it because it's just life. And that took me a while to calm down. I was just angry. It wasn't the lady at the counter. It wasn't the pilot's fault. It wasn't the gate guy. It was just, man, you're up in Calgary. It's zero degrees. It's snowing. San Francisco's fogged in. You're going to miss a flight. That's just going to happen. But here I was, my blood boiling and just angry at the world because I was inconvenienced. So I started to feel sheepish. I thought about what Audrey said. Yeah, I'm preaching on patience. Let me... Calm myself down and let me just text wife. I love her. So then I send her this next text. You'll notice the timestamp. It says 107 in the p.m. I'm hanging out in San Francisco. I'm waiting for the next flight. So I'm like, what are you doing? Hello? Can you hear me? Audrey! So I'm trying to get the woman's attention, right? Because she never texted me back. And then she texts this. What? I'm reading into her tone now. You notice with text, you read into their tone, right? And so I know it gets a little bit small here. But then I said, don't take that tone with me. And then I said, "I said, what are you doing now?" And she's like, "What are you talking about? You said, what are you doing?" And gave me no time to answer. So, fair, right? So next, next picture. Then she says, "Because uh, that's that next one." She sent me the little, you know, pseudo eye roll or whatever that thing's doing. <laughs> and then I said, "I'm kidding, but seriously, what are you doing? Are you prepared for what you're about to see? This is what." My wife of almost 20 years sent me, go ahead, give it to us, I'm going to fight you. (laughs) So I failed in patience, but look what she did. She turned around and failed the same thing. All I did was ask, what are you doing? Audrey, hello, can you hear me? And then she turns around and wants to fight me. (laughs) Well, these two events actually go to show us, there's two areas the Bible talks about patience in. One is events, trials, and then the other is with people. And these two events actually highlight that because, one, I was in a situation, right, an event, and I lost my patience. Audrey was in an event with a person, and she turned to violence, right? And she said, I'm going to fight you. But these are patience with people. So let's go to Galatians 5.22. Let's see where we get this text from, why we know these things to be true. This says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and here's our word for today patience. If you're reading the King James, it will say long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. So we've gone through several of these attributes of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things I find interesting is, is the more we've studied this, I, I hope this has been a blessing to you, different, uh, different men coming up here and preaching different angles about Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit. But the more I study this out, the more I see that everything is derived from love. And I ran across a commentary this week, and it kind of highlighted it like this. It said, the fruit of the spirit is love. And then you could actually put a colon there. And then it goes on to describe love, joy, peace, patience. Right. So everything should be motivated by love. And if we think of patience like that, it's going to find its root in love. Because we love people, we're going to exhibit patience. Right. So we're going to flash a couple definitions. Now, the Bible is not lacking in any definitions, any good commentary on the definition of patience. And so I wanted to give, I think we've got four up here. It says, the first one is forbearance, long-suffering, slowness. Now, keep it there, if you would. We'll go through slowly. Slowness in avenging wrongs. So the idea of patience is not just waiting. It's about how you act while you're waiting, right? We don't want to avenge the wrong that you have suffered. Okay, let's look at the next definition. To persevere patiently and bravely in enduring misfortune and trouble. So again, the emphasis is on how you wait. Here it says bravely. One more definition, please. To be patient in bearing the offenses and the injuries of others. So here, now, before it was kind of situational-based patience. Now this is uh, addressed towards people. Is there one more, Megan? God-given restraint in the face of opposition or oppression. So we see, because it's a fruit of the Spirit, this is actually a byproduct of the indwelling Spirit. That you and I, that within our flesh, we can, really, we can't do these things, right? Before we got saved or we become Christ followers, we're just free to lash out however we want, with no restraint. We really don't have any control. Has anyone seen somebody with an uncontrollable temper or anger? That at the slightest thing, they blow off the handle? You know, jokingly, we talk about that airline trip, but that's just a reality. Everyday life gets people worked up, right? And there's zero restraint, and then they feel the need to take it out on everybody. If you want my definition of patience, this is what it is. It would be enduring with the right attitude. It's all about how we are going through something. When tribulation comes or you're tested like this, and you're like, oh, I don't want to have the fruit of the spirit of patience or long suffering. You're still going to go through something, right? This fruit helps you, en- helps you endure something, right? The Holy Spirit's been given to us, the Bible says, as our advocate, our helper, our strengthener, our standby, our intercessor. He's there to help us do life. Jesus said, it's, it's more beneficial that I go away because if I go away, I will send. What did he say? But what did he call him? The helper. I'll send the helper. What a name for what part of the Godhead, right? The helper. He helps us in these times. So when we're going through something that requires patience, you you can still not have patience, but you're still going to go through something. Does that make sense? So it makes sense that if you're going to go through something, you might as well go it through correctly, and we're going to talk about how to do that, and there's actually a reward. There's actually a process that God uses these things for. So... Uh, just to show you, just a couple scriptures to set a framework here. Let's go to Exodus 34.6. Now, like anything, the whole premise of the series we're doing is how Jesus exhibited this fruit and then how we can model it. But I propose to you that long-suffering and patience is probably, besides love, the number two hallmark of God is his ability to suffer long. And he's revealing himself to Moses here. So in Exodus, if if you're familiar with it, we have the whole scene with the golden calf, right? And he gets the commandments. He breaks the tablets. He's meeting with God. And Moses is having a one-on-one with God, right? This is amazing. No no one's done this, right? God says, no man can see God and live. God's like, I want to see you. And, And God says, hey, I'll tell you what. I'll let you see me as I walk away, you know? It'll still be extra strength dosage, but you'll live. Does anyone remember what happened when Moses saw God? nice, we need to go through Exodus. Yeah, he was shiny. His face glowed. They had to put a veil over him because he was in God's presence. But here's God is speaking. He he decides to tell tell him about himself. And the Lord passed before him, Moses, and and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Look at what he decided to describe himself as. Merciful, gracious, and long-suffering. If you asked me, and you and I are getting to know each other, hey, describe yourself, talk about yourself. And I asked you the same question. You think about what matters to you, right? If you have a minute with somebody, say, hey, tell me what you're about. They tell you what they're about. Is that that not fair? Look at what God decided to say on long-suffering, right? This is going to be a major hallmark of God. Let's go to Psalm 8615 psalmist repeats the same thing. He says, but you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. Let's read about Jesus, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. So Jesus said, I only do what the Father does. So is it any wonder that Jesus does the same thing? Hebrews says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. Now it's talking about all the people that have died before Moses and Abraham and all these wonderful heroes of the faith. And lay off the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance. That word endurance is a cinnamon for sin, cinnamon, it's a cinnamon, synonym for for patience, endurance, right? We can call it forbearance, long suffering, endurance. These all have the same word that we're holding on to something. Run with endurance, the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder. And the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, now look at this, endured the cross. He patiently endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, this is our command, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Keep that scripture there, please. When it says, consider him who endured from sinners... Like if we're really reading this text, he patiently endured these things. Has anyone ever read a gospel in the Bible? I'm not trying to be funny here. Has everyone read at least a gospel? How did the Pharisees treat Jesus? How did the religious Jews treat Jesus? Were they nice to him? Or did they accuse him of having a demon? Did they try to kill him? Did they try to catch him in lies? Right? Did they try to kill people that he raised from the dead, right? They tried to kill Lazarus, right? Jesus raises him from the dead. They said, hey, we better kill this dude, (laughs) right? He's already been dead once. Apparently, Jesus could raise him up again. Jesus was, was slandered, right? Like there was those who loved him, but he had a rough go. When he went into public ministry, his life got very, very tough. The Bible says, consider the hostility against him. So much so, they killed him. You've heard the old joke. Hey, nobody's perfect. Well, there was this one guy who was perfect, but we killed him, right? It's like the one perfect human being, and they, they killed him. Do you know what kind of patience that takes? What kind of restraint? At one point, Jesus even said this. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He tells me, he's like, do you not know that I could call down 12 legions of angels right now and just wreck this place? But what stopped him from doing that? Patience. Restraint. He knew that there was a process and that he was a part of it, and he had to go through it, right? And so Hebrews tells us that for the joy that was set before him, he endured these things. So what was the joy set before Jesus that made him go through all of this? Any guesses? Us. He saw redeemed humanity on the other side of the cross. He asked the Father, he said, Father, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. Jesus was asking the Father... This is, if you've ever really thought about this, this is wild. The Bible says that Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. Meaning that when God created humanity, God has this thing called foreknowledge. He understands what's going to happen. He knows things that will happen in the future. He knows things that won't happen, right? He knows things that could happen. And it says he was slain before the foundation of the earth. So I can imagine them talking before It says, hey, if we make these creatures called humans, we're going to have to redeem them because we know how this is going to go. And Jesus willingly signed up for this mission before we were created. So the time finally came. The Bible says, "At the fullness of time, the Son came." The Son comes, and He's going through this, and He takes a flesh like ours. And the Bible says He's well acquainted with everything we went through. He was hungry. He hurt. He he experienced loss. What did He say, Marcia? You've got a memory verse. What's your memory verse? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus saw somebody die. Thank you, Marsha, rock star right there. And Jesus weeps because he's connected to humanity. And then he's getting ready to die, and he knows, oh, this is going to hurt. I should have put a picture of Michael Scott, if you know that picture, where (laughs) he said this is going to hurt. And he prays, he's praying in the garden, and he asks God, he goes, is there any other way? Can you imagine that? For thousands and thousands and thousands of years, this has been the plan. And Jesus gets to the moment of the plan, he says, oh, is there another way? Because this is not going to be good. But Jesus says, nevertheless, your will be done. So he sanctified his will to God's will because he knew this is what it's about. So he patiently endured all these things, knowing what it's going to cost him. But Jesus, how, he, how did he do it? He said, oh, for the joy set before me. He saw you. He saw me. And he's like, okay, this is going to be worth it. So what do we take away from that? Well, this is our first step on how we patiently endure something that there is always something at the end of a trial or a temptation or a test, right? There's always something on the other side. These things do not last forever. And Jesus knew that. He could see the joy on the other side of the trial. So what are you believing God for? What is the trial you're in right now where it looks hopeless and helpless and you can't figure out what is on the other side? The Bible says that God is not slack concerning his promises. King James says God is not slow concerning his promises, but he's faithful to do the things that he said he would do. But he's patient and long-suffering, right? God wants to be there, but he's working a plan. Amen? Long-suffering. Let's go to 1 Peter 2.21. For this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. If anyone ever told you the Christian life is an easy life, they lied to you and you should get your money back. The life of a Christian is a life of suffering. The Bible says all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will experience persecutions. This is just a fact. But I also have some good news for you. Did you suffer persecutions and trials before you became a Christian? Of course you did. It's no different. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. The difference is we have somebody going through it with us, the Holy Spirit. So you're going to see this is is the main point of the message here. The mark of a mature believer is, is his or her ability to suffer long with no loss of joy. So at the beginning, I told you keep that up there, please. My definition was is enduring with the right attitude. If we dived into that a little bit deeper, it would say your ability to suffer long with no loss of joy. Jesus suffered more than any man on the face of the earth. And it says he did it with joy, the joy that was set before him. It doesn't mean you don't have tough days. It doesn't mean you don't cry. It doesn't mean you don't sweat great drops of blood. That's not what this is talking about. But he stayed on mission. He stayed on task for what was in front of him. If you're taking notes, I would write that down because this is key. If you have a problem with patience or temper and you you fly off the handle, it's your ability to suffer long. And keep the right attitude. Let's go to Hebrews 12.2. Again, highlighting Jesus. It says, looking to Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him. John 15.11. He says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. God's word should be our joy. His promises. The Bible says that the promises of God have found the yes answer in Jesus Christ, meaning all the promises of God have been fulfilled in Jesus. If you're going through something, might I recommend finding out what the Bible says about your situation? Find the promise of God that speaks to that and then start trusting God. So how do you get joy in that situation? Well, I would almost guarantee that anything you're going through, we can find a scripture we can believe God together for. Does God care about your physical health? Do you think there's scriptures that talk about God's willingness to heal your body? So can we find joy and hope in the scriptures there? I have spoken these to you that you may have joy. Now, a trial of a broken body is horrific. Have you ever gone through that or known a loved one that is suffering physically, like really suffering? That's a long road. That's hard to do. You've been to a cancer ward or you've seen a sick child. These are not fun things. So how do you remain joyful in a situation like that? Jesus always said the same thing, only believe. The Bible tells us to fight the good fight of faith. So how do you patiently endure a trial like that? You stand on the rock of the scripture and you hold on to it. And the joy is that he is faithful who promised these things that he is able to do these things. Amen? Does God care about your employment? What if you get laid off and you don't have a job? Do you think God cares about your finances? Yes. Uh, yes. Do you think God cares about your marriage? Yes. Does God care about your kids? Right? We can find all these things in the scripture where God talks about these things. Right? We can find joy. We can find hope. We can stand on the promise of God, just like Jesus. Hebrews 6.12. It says, he's given us an exhortation. He says, don't be sluggish, but be imitators of those who through faith, look at that, and patience, inherit the promises. If you came to me afterwards, you said, Mike, how do I receive from God? It seems like I pray and nothing ever happens. Well, here's the recipe. Faith, what's the second? Patience. patience. God is not your genie. God does not snap his finger at your beck and call. Oh, you got it, sir, Right? God is the God. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. And God is doing a whole lot of things. It doesn't mean he's not too busy for you. But remember, God is also working a plan. Just like Jesus at the perfect time. And so maybe what you've been asking God for, God says, look, I I know what's coming around the corner. I know everything that's intersecting here. And this is not the right time to answer this. A lot of Christians think just because God doesn't answer within 24 hours, oh, it must not be your will. That's crazy talk. Don't accept no until God tells you no. You know God is capable of telling you no? Here's an example. Paul said, hey, I had this thorn in my flesh, and I prayed. How many times did Paul pray to get rid of the thorn in the flesh? Three times. I kind of gave it away. I put it down real quick. He prayed three times. So he prayed once. Didn't get an answer. Does Paul say, oh, that must not be God's will? What does Paul do? Yeah. Praise again. No answer from God. Praise a third time. No answer. Does anyone remember what God told Paul on the third time? My, my strength is made perfect and weakness. It's enough for you. No, I, God said no, but he communicated that the answer was no. So Paul was able to get on with his life. God gave him a promise. My strength is perfect for you. Here's your promise. Hold on to this. You're going to go through this. It's serving a purpose. Faith and patience. Don't give up. The Bible says knock then what does it say to do next? Keep knocking. God's not deaf, right? But he's working something in us. But you can have patience. When when God doesn't answer, if you're not going through it with faith, you're also shipwrecked, the whole thing. James says, if any man, let any man ask God, and he gives liberally, and it says, he upbraideth not meaning he doesn't make fun of you. But it says, let him ask in faith. For a man who doubts... Don't let that man expect that he will receive anything. Do you remember Jesus would always ask people when they asked him for something? Do you believe I'm able to do this? Why would Jesus say that? Well, he wanted to know. Yeah, I do. Remember the one guy that said no, help my unbelief? Even that guy got something. At least he was honest with God, right? Faith and patience. This fruit is so much more than you and I getting through our daily lives without killing somebody like my wife here wants to fight me. It's, a, it's about a bigger picture. So this fruit of the Spirit is used in our daily life, but it's also building our life for patience, right? It's getting us to the very end when we get to meet our maker. This is what, this is what it's doing. Amen. Faith and patience. So we're going to wrap with this. i got a couple ideas that's going to help you. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures. Some areas, if you're struggling in this, I want you to pay attention to this. This, is, this will point you in the right direction on how to be more like Jesus. But, so the first thing we need to do is we need to have patience with people. I want to show you how the scripture highlights this. Uh, I put people first because this is, do people work your nerves more than anything? It's people that really ruin. Christianity would be a lot easier if there wasn't a lot of people here, right? But the bad news is, is Christianity is about people. That's all it is about. It doesn't care about anything else. It just cares about people. So let's look at uh, John 13, 35. Jesus says this. He goes, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if what? Okay, so keep that there. Here's, here's the crux. Jesus said, look, here's how I, people will know that you belong to me. Is it because you go to church? Is it because you've got a huge Bible? Is it because you read King James in an ESV church? <laughs> thank you. Whoever said that, thank you very much. 1611 to get to heaven. Remember that. All right. I'm joking around. Is it because... You give a lot of money. No. What's the one way to tell a disciple of Jesus? Love. love. They love people. Okay. So, how do we love somebody? Next verse in 1 Corinthians, it says this. Here's how we love. Love is what? Love is patient. We all right? Great. Love is what? Okay, say it again. Let's do it together. Love is patient. Here's the first description of love. We will know you're my disciple if you love people. Okay, how do I love people? What's the first one? You're patient with them. Love is patient. I wanted to put this whole thing up here because if you've never read 1 Corinthians 13, it's called the love chapter. You need to, and you need to start memorizing this. Love is patient and is what? So does a kind person text their husband, I'm going to fight you? (laughs) I'm just asking a question. Oh yeah, real nice. This church is not a Christian church. We need to go back to God. Yeah, she's gonna fight me right now. Actually, truth be told, I woke up this morning, was getting ready. Could I I get here a little before the wife? And what did you say? You said you're gonna kill me this morning. (laughs) I forgot why, but she did say that. Anyways, that's not kind. But love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not, I love my wife, I'm teasing her, and for full transparency, when I was texting her, Audrey, what are you doing, I know that annoys her, so I was purposely trying to get her angry, so she was just, okay, so I I don't want God to shoot me with a lightning bolt on the way out. Actually, on that note, I'm probably also going to need a ride home, so if anyone (laughs) wants to stick around and help me out, that'd be cool. All right, so love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. All right. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And here it is patience again. What else does it do? It endures all things. So here's how I know if you're a Christian, if you're, your patience level. If you fly off the handle and, and you're flighty and you're flaky and all these things, you could be a Christian, but you're probably a baby Christian, or you need to do some real maturing in this area. Love is patient. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. Love is patience. If God is love, and God revealed himself, I'm patient, then why aren't we exhibiting this? thing? Why don't we take, pay more attention to this? how we're enduring things, the words that are coming out of our mouth. The Bible says that when Jesus went to the cross, it said, like a lamb led to the slaughter, he shut his mouth. Did Jesus complain the whole way to the cross? Was he talking about, oh man, I don't deserve this? Did he call up the disciples and start griping and complaining? If you look at most Christians, we gossip, we backbite, we're bitter, we call people. As soon as you, you're wronged, you have to let that person know or call somebody, right? Was that what Jesus would have done? He shut his mouth. Our mouths get us in a whole lot of trouble in this area. Waiting patiently with the right attitude is about the words we speak. It doesn't mean you can't talk about it. It doesn't mean you can't be upset. But just be led by the Spirit. Is this something I should just shut my mouth about? Yeah, you were wronged. I got news for you. We all get wronged every single day, right? But for the joy that it set before us. Let's go to Ephesians 4.2. It says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. I like the word bearing with one another, but it's really just modern English for you put up with people. <laughs> put up with them in love. Bear with them. But it says do it patiently. Has anyone ever helped you, And then, but they they made it, obvious that it was an inconvenience to help you. They, patient, they they endured with you, but they didn't do it patiently. Don't be like that. Um, next up we have John 18, 21-35. I'm going to skip this. If you want to write this down, uh, read this. It's uh, a longer section of Scripture. For time's sake, we're going we're to pass over this. But this is called the unjust steward. And if you struggle with this, read this and get some clarity on it. Uh, I think God will speak to you. Let's go to the next one if we can, we can brief that. Phil, if you know how to do that. Nice. Next up, we need patience and trials. Patience and trials. Let's go to James 1, 2 through 3. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, what does it do? Produces patience. God cares so much about this fruit He will put you through things to develop it. Right? Count it all joy. So again, we've tied the word joy to trials and tribulations. But here it says that the testing of your faith, it produces something. A faith that is not tested is not faith. A faith that cracks at the first part of resistance, you never believed it in the first place. Faith is something that endures. Now abideth faith, hope, and love, right? But the greatest is what? Love. These things endure. Your faith needs to be tested. You need to know what you really believe when you go through something. And it can be, this isn't only true in Christianity. This is just, in general, what do you stand for? What do you do when the going gets tough? Let it produce patience. 2 Timothy 2.3 Therefore, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Anyone that 's been in the military, know, we endure more hardships than anybody. Can anyone testify to that? The nonsense that's in the military right the hardships. there is a lot of patience to be in the military, right again, for time's sake, I would have inserted a stupid military story here, but we 're going to skip that one. just for Okay, we'll just leave it with this. Anyone that's been in the military ever just shook your head at the decisions that are being made? Raise your hand. Daily basis, that's right. Yeah, every single person. But God says Christianity is not that God's making bad decisions, but he goes, you must endure these hardships like a good soldier. Because everyone knows that when you're, you're a soldier, like that's your job is to endure hardships. That's what you signed up for. Same thing in Christianity. That's what we sign up for. Number three, we need patience with God. Now, that's going to sound... A little wild there, but let, let's walk through this. 2 Peter 3.9 says this. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now keep that there, please. A lot of times, we need patience with God, but God is saying, actually, I'm having patience with you. But from our vantage point, it says we're waiting on God. right? It's like, I prayed for something, and I'm waiting for God to do something. And God turns around and says, I'm not slack. I'm not slow about fulfilling my promise, but actually I'm being long-suffering because I don't want people to perish. God cares about one thing more than anything at all. And what is that? Souls. So this is the plan he's working. So a lot of people, again, will pray. Nothing happens, and they start to get upset with God. Why didn't you do this? I asked for this. This happened. Why did you allow this to happen? So let's talk about Jesus' friend, Lazarus. They come and they would say, hey, Lazarus is sick. What does Jesus do? Does Jesus leave, stop what he's doing, and run to Lazarus' side? What does he do? Rolls on out to another town. So what happens to Lazarus? He dies. So the moment Lazarus dies, does Jesus run back to Lazarus? He just keeps hanging out. How long did Jesus wait until he goes back to Lazarus? four days. The Bible says the body started to stink. It stank. Then Jesus showed up. In modern day, we think, man, that's not a very good friend, right? I was sick, and you didn't come running to me. I died. You didn't even show up. You didn't show up to the wake. Showed up four days later. But what did God do from there? He raised him up. He was working a plan, and all the people said, hey, if you would have came, he wouldn't have died, That's how we view it. If you would have done this, this wouldn't have happened. We lose our patience with God, our long-suffering with him. But Jesus had another plan. Dead is dead, right? We talked about this in our Bible study. Four days later, there's no doubting that Lazarus wasn't just asleep. The man was dead. He was in grave clothes. and He raised him up. Don't lose patience with God. He's doing something. Go back to James. Let patience have its perfect work, that the man of God may be complete, lacking nothing. Amen? That's good stuff. Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Here's the plan. It will turn out good in the end. I promise you. As ugly as it is right now, the Bible said it all works for what? Good. Did he promise us that we'd be on mountaintops 100% of the time? Did he say there would be valleys? That's right. He's there in both of them. We love the mountaintop, but we hate the valley. But remember, we appreciate the mountaintops because we've been in the valley. And The Bible says he's in there with us. Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. There are hundreds of scriptures that talk about waiting on the Lord. This is part of our jobs as Christians. Again, if God answered your every beck and call... That's not God, that's a genie. Might I recommend renting the movie Aladdin to see how that turns out, right? God is not a genie. He does not obey our commands. He's running everything. And we are participants in that. And we should be praying, we should be asking for things. But I keep hammering this, waiting for God and patiently enduring is just knowing that's the joy. He's got it. I don't have to worry about these things. That's why we can have faith, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when I pray, and I'm not saying I'm wonderful or anything, but I don't lose any. I try not to lose any sleep after I prayed about it because now it's in His hands. He works all things for good. He cares about me. The Bible says God knows when you sit up. He knows when you lay down. He says He knows your thoughts afar off. He's well acquainted with you, right? He says He knows when the sparrow dies, and He knows all these things. And then we pray, and we go through these problems, and we think, "Where is God?" We lose our patience, we lose our focus. And God's like, "You know, have you read this thing one time? Let it have its perfect work. It's doing something in you." Jesus had to patiently endure, endure. If He had to do it, are we any different? No. Lastly, you need patience with drumroll, please, yourself. Patience with yourself. So we have patience with people and trials with God and yourself. All these things that God expects you to do other people, we should also be doing to ourselves. We're in a process. The Christian lifestyle is likened to a long-distance run, right? A marathon. It's not a sprint. So when we miss it, how many people just beat themselves up? I know a lot of Christians that are really, really hard on themselves. They don't know how to suffer with themselves long. That you are a work in progress. That when God is long-suffering towards you, why do you treat yourself any different in the process? Right? That God is molding you. He is shaping you. And we are remorseful over our past and our sin. But we need to exhibit these same signs towards us. There are people in this room that just really need to get off their own back. Give yourself a break. If God has forgiven you, it's time you have forgiven yourself. Be long-suffering, working through your issues, your history, your background. God knows these things, and he loves you. And you need to start viewing yourself the way God thinks about you. Aren't we all excited when we hear the testimony of the guy who was a drug user, was in prison? We love these kind of stories, right? And they turn their life, they get radically saved, and they turn their lives around. We love these kind of testimonies, right? And we start cheering. But then we think back in our own life and we look back and it's like, man, I, really, I missed the boat. I've really let God down. I've done X. I've done, I've done Y. I've done Z. And the whole time God's like, look, I love you just the same, right? Enduring with the right attitude is also thinking about yourself correctly, that God loves you so much that he redeemed you and bought you back. He doesn't care about these things. He doesn't care where you've missed it. What he cares about is what's happening going forward. Amen? Be patient with yourself. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. And I thank you for the opportunity to share your word, Father. I pray that you would, again, in us, we would learn to be patient. We thank you for these things, Father God. We thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. We thank you that you have never left us and you've never forsaken us because you are long-suffering. That we know that it's because of your long-suffering and your goodness that leads us to repentance, to salvation. Lord, I thank you for these things. We bless you now in Jesus' mighty name, and the church said, amen, amen. Amen.